It's the 11 Dubcast. Yay. I'm Johnny I'm Michael Citro. Yay, okay. So we've got some positive basketball news to talk about. Yay, I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. That's, that's good. Okay. And so here's the thing. We record on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. usually. Yeah. And what makes that difficult sometimes is that, you know, Ohio State will play a Tuesday game, and we can't really discuss it or talk about it because oftentimes it starts at 9 o'clock or something like that. Sometimes 7, which is good, but regardless – you know, we don't always have the time to discuss or commiserate on, you know, what has just happened with the basketball team. So we have two games to talk about, and one was the last Tuesday. It was against Michigan, yep. where Ohio State uh, beat Michigan by 10. It was a game that I didn't really expect them to win, frankly, uh, even though it was at home and, you know, it was kind of a rivalry game. I loved it. Uh, what's up? I loved it. Yeah, it was – look, and, and here's the thing about that game, right? Like, they led – you know, from pretty much, I guess, like halfway through the first half all the way through the end of the game. I mean, it got close occasionally, but, you know, for the most part, they were in control of that game, and it never really seemed like it was in, you know, doubt. Right. Uh, which is surprising to me, because I really thought in the second half, like, Michigan would make a run, and then Ohio State would kind of fall off, and then we'd see what would happen. But mm-hmm. Ohio State kept up the pressure the entire game. They shot well, and I don't know. I thought they, they played an excellent game, even though they got out-rebounded. I mean defensively they were great and you know offensively they did what they needed to do yeah what I really enjoyed about that game was that anytime Michigan threatened to make a run Ohio State had an answer for it so yeah if they trim it down to five or four you know Ohio State would get a couple baskets in a row playing really good defense I thought they it seemed like they took care of the ball better than they normally do which was huge yeah they only had like nine turnovers which again isn't ideal but it's it's a lot better than you know sometimes what they've had Mm -hmm. and considering that you know two guys combined for six of those turnovers I mean it's you know and what's interesting so what I thought was particularly interesting about the Michigan game is the fact that no player had more than 13 points but the starters uniformly play like really really well except maybe for Kata Bates Diop who didn't have a great game but you know Mark Loving had 13 points Tate had 13 points uh Thompson had 12 Jaquan Lyle or yeah Jaquan Lyle had 12 I mean it's it's just like it was a definite team effort, and that's exactly what you need when you're going to beat a team that is favored and really, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, a more complete team than Ohio State is right now. So I think they played a really great game, and that was that was uh, that was a fun one. I, I agree with you. That was a really fun game to watch. Yeah, it was key. It was um, a key game in, in terms of what you know. If, if they do anything here at the end in these last few games. Oh, they had to win that. I mean, yeah, that was, that it's, was it's a huge game in terms of, of potentially, sure yeah, potentially getting them. It, it gives them a quality win, which they didn't really have one in conference. Uh, the only one they had all year was the Kentucky game on a neutral floor, but uh, it gives right. them a give them a win over a, a top 50 RPI team, and, and they hadn't had one of those in forever. So it was good to see that. I mean, Michigan's inconsistent, but they're a legitimate team. I mean, they beat Maryland, and they beat some other good teams, so – uh, it was nice to see them come out and, and play with some fire. They played like it was a rivalry game, and uh, they took it to Michigan. Yeah, well, and especially when you've got, like, you know, you got Evan Turner night, and you kind of want to look impressive. You want to look good when you've got all those NBA stars in the house and whatnot. Um, I, I, you know, it was it was a good feel-good win. What wasn't exactly a feel-good win was the overtime win against Nebraska, which, you know, again, it's a win. Mm-hmm. And, and with this team, you're not exactly like, you know, crying about a victory, but uh, it, it feels like you really shouldn't take Nebraska to overtime. That that really shouldn't be something that you have to worry about too much. Yeah, that was a feel-bad win. 
Yeah. It wasn't a, it yeah. was the opposite of a feel good win. It was a feel bad win. They won, but they should feel bad about how they did it. Well, in the I mean the first half, their offensive output in the first half was just complete garbage. I mean, they they definitely showed up in the second half uh to be sure, but maybe one of the more worrisome things about that game is the fact that the bench just contributed nothing. When I say nothing, I mean literally nothing. No points were scored by the bench uh, <laughs> against Nebraska, which I don't feel is a great recipe. How's that even possible? Uh, how, I mean, I don't understand how that's even possible. Well, what's even funnier is Trevor Thompson didn't score any points either. So literally they got their entire out- offensive output from four dudes. Which <laughs> so it was the opposite of a complete <laughs> effort, really. Right. So they, they go up against Michigan. They they do an incredible job at, like, spreading the ball around and everybody contributes. And then they, you know, against Nebraska, do the exact opposite of that. Um, which is probably a big reason why they end up having to, to go to overtime against a team that's, you know, now just barely 500 and 6-9 to nine in conference. So, yeah, I don't, you know, it, it's, again, it's a super bipolar team. Uh, one thing you do have to like, I guess, is that they are starting at least a little bit to shoot their free throws a little better. Um, and really, that's probably what allowed them to beat Nebraska, because uh, if they weren't hitting those those free throws, I mean, that that, that game doesn't, you know, yeah. turn out the way they want it to. It definitely helped against Michigan, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just one of those things. It, it is off and on, and you would hope that, you know, players that have been doing this for a really long time are like, you know, they're good at it. You would think that you go, okay, I got a free shot from the charity stripe. You're like, I'm going to be able to do all this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it does, but um, they're streaky. And, and that, I think that's the ultimate point that I'm trying to make in, in all aspects of the game, you know, free throw shooting, you know, f- hitting their threes, whatever there, it's an incredibly streaky team in a lot of different ways. And I don't know which team's going to show up tonight. I mean, they they have a huge game against Michigan State. Obviously, this publishes, you know, tomorrow. So when people hear this, they're going to know the outcome. But I I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I they've got two chances to beat Michigan State in their next three games. Um, I would be surprised if they get one. But if they do, I think tonight is the night they're going to have to do it because I don't see them walking into Tom Izzo, you know, Izzo land and and pulling that off. So yeah, it's hard. It's we'll hard see. to win in the Izzo, and so if they're going to get a win over Sparty, it's going to probably have to come at home. Yeah, I mean, and, William Buford's not walking through that door to hit the last second <laughs> shot this year. Right, right. Uh, I mean, Michigan State is like, as usual, like really, really good. We'll have to see. You know, Valentine actually shows the scars, right? right. If we can actually see and verify that he was indeed hurt uh, this past December. Um, <laughs> I really hope people make a gigantic deal about that. I think that would be very funny. Um, uh, but, you know, you've got Michigan State, Iowa, Michigan State. Iowa's ranked eighth. Michigan State's ranked sixth. Um, that's that's a that's a bit of a rough way to end your season. If they have any shot of getting the NCAA tournament, which I still don't think they do, um, I think it's great that they beat up four unranked teams in a row. That's cool, but they've got to get at least one of these and then make some noise in the Big Ten tournament for even be considered for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. You know, we'll see. We'll we'll have to see what happens because as the season has shown us, stranger things can happen. Um, I think that win against UK is maybe a bit diminished uh, than where it was at the beginning of the season, but still, still a solid win. Not to uh, me. But... Beating the Big Blue <laughs> Nation is always fun. Well, no, and I look – Look, okay, I, I watched that game from a bar in Cincinnati, okay, which is just, like, filthy with U.K. fans. Oh, yeah, you were in Kentucky. Yeah, well, 
Yes, effectively, yes. yes. And look, as someone who grew up near there, yes, you're correct. But what I will say is that, uh, you know, they need to prove that they can win against the big dogs in conference. Like, they really need a quality in-conference win because absent that, I don't know that any kind of selection committee is going to get, take a serious look at them, especially when you like you look at their resume in-conference and you're like, all right, well, they got destroyed at Maryland, right, by 35 points. Mm-hmm. You know, they lose at Purdue, which is not a great team, but, you know, at the time a ranked team. Uh, they lose to Maryland by a smaller margin, okay, but only five points. Waxed at Indiana, um, absolutely waxed at Indiana. Right. Oh, yeah, of course. And, that, yeah, they got absolutely destroyed at Indiana. Um, they have to do something in these last three games. I mean, even if it's to win one of them, they got to get something going because otherwise it's it's pretty much a moot point. Um, and we get to talk about the NIT for however long they stay. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, which I'm sure we're, like, all looking forward to. Yes, we are. Um, so that's that. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm really excited to see how it turns out tonight. I will definitely be keeping a close eye on it for probably about 10 minutes, and then maybe my eye will wander. Uh, <laughs> but we'll see. I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic. Let's see how it goes. Um, so that's Ohio State basketball. My, Michael, let's talk a little bit about the combine that's coming up. I know you've been kind of looking at that and uh, thinking about it a little bit. Do you have any hot takes on uh, – you know, what maybe Ohio State fans should be looking forward to or paying attention to as we go into combine season? Uh, I don't have any hot takes on it. I, I, I would say that the combine is something that I generally ignore, but I don't think I can ignore it with 14 Ohio State players no. there this year. Um, yeah, I haven't paid attention to it in the last two because, years. Because, you know, great. 14 I, players, man, that's, that's a all lot. Right, here's my hot take. My hot take is that the combine is really boring as a spectator. You know, <laughs> yeah, it is. Event, it is. You know, it's. It's guys running drills. It's guys running in a straight line. It's guys doing, you know, reps on the bench press and things like that and doing right. deadlifts and whatever. And it's <laughs> it's just boring to watch. And um, this year I'm going to be watching, though, a little more, paying a little more closely attention to it because, you know, there's some guys that can really help themselves in this draft. And, and I don't – Oh, absolutely. I, I think a guy – like you, t- you take a guy like Jalen Marshall, and here's a guy who could do anything from – not get drafted at all to work his way all the way up to maybe the tail end of the third round, depending on how this, this week goes for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he has the, he definitely has the physical tools for that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to be watching guys like, like Jalen Marshall, Braxton Miller really helped himself at the senior bowl, I think. And if he has another good week here, I mean, I think you're going to talk about possibly a, you know, Braxton Miller going in the first round as a wide receiver, which three years ago we would have been like, what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, that would be a pretty great coda to his story. I think. I think that'd be pretty hilarious. Yeah, and um, so then there's Tyvis Powell, who I, you know, I wrote about this today. Actually, Tyvis is a guy yep. who's who's a mid to late round projection, but he's a guy who's got all the physical tools that if he goes out and and has good measurables and and you know performs well this week, he could vault himself up uh, up some draft boards because you know NFL teams love to hoard safeties because. Right. It's it's such a hard position to play. It's a it's a position where a lot of guys get hurt and there's a lot of attrition. And so the teams that that have good backup safeties uh, usually, you know, they're going to do well because the you know other teams are going to probably have their guys out at some point. And if their backups aren't as good, you know, it, it's the playing field is not level. So you want to have a good good depth at that position. Tyvis Powell has the build to play in the NFL. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that maybe weren't that impressed with his college career, 
But there's all always these guys who sort of blossom after their college careers are over, and he's one of those guys that could do that. Yeah, and the other thing that would add to that, I mean, I think you made a really good point when you just said the the value of having a competent backup. You know what I mean? Like, is Tyvis Powell going to be a you know first, second, third, fourth, or even maybe like early fifth round? Probably not. Like, he's probably going to be, in my opinion, a late round pick. But with that said, like he's going to be competent at least at the very least. Like I think he has the potential, like you said, I think he has the potential to be very good, but uh, at the very least that dude, you know, will give any team, I think uh, some quality, you know, like manpower in case somebody does get hurt, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's an interesting guy. He's obviously really funny. He's really personable. I think he would bring a lot of personality to a team that, you know, let's say, you know, there's a, a team with an image problem. I know he had a nice little, video with I think a representative from the Cleveland Browns which I don't necessarily wish on Tybus but (laughs) like I think he would be a cool guy to have on there like I would love to have him in the state of Ohio I think he's a great awesome dude um so yeah that I gotta tell you something like that's I agree with you that is the biggest reason for me to watch the combine I mean I think sometimes there are some guys that I root for in particular and I just want to see how they do I remember watching like Beanie Wells at the combine like really really closely to see how we did yeah um I have two, I have like one major rant about the Combine and one little mini rant. Okay. Uh, my major rant is about 40 times. I think 40 times is the stupidest thing that they can do at the Combine, um, mostly because of the way that they calculate it. Um, probably the worst thing about it is the fact that uh, they don't have, they don't have a timer uh, that is synced to when the player actually starts running. So... <laughs> The issue is, is like it's 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 they actually have somebody manually hit a button when the player starts going in the forty. So it's always like a tenth of a second or two tenths of a second sometimes off from what is actually being run. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people talk about this like mythical forty time. It is ridiculous uh, what some people think uh, these guys run forties mm-hmm. in, especially when you look at like Olympic sprinters and they're outrunning Olympic sprinters over the course of a forty. Like it's 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 such a BS thing that people pay attention that to. Brings me, uh, that brings up a great point, too, that, that something I wanted to say before we, we exhaust this topic is that what yeah. really peeves me off about the uh, the Combine is these, these guys that decide, oh, I'm not going to do the 40 here. I'll do it at my pro day. I'm not going <laughs> right. to throw the ball even though I'm a quarterback. I'll do it at my pro day, you know? Well, I mean, it's, it's calculated, though, yeah, right? Yeah, like, it they're is. They're trying to, to maximize their you know, value, right? Yeah, and they're trying to control they their like, environment. And, and Yeah, and I get that. Like, it's a money game at that point, right? Like, they're just trying to, to see how much money they can get. Yeah, I just feel like, if okay, if you're not going to do it at the Combine where everybody's at a disadvantage, then maybe you're afraid. Maybe I don't need to draft you. you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe you're not what we're looking for. I don't know. I think that's the case for lower I, – I think that's the case for guys who are, like, maybe third or fourth and below. But I think if you're a top one or two, like, people are going to throw money at you anyway. I can't you know wait to see Cardale rip it at the, at the Combine. Oh, yeah, that's going to be hilarious. Like – if there is one reason to watch the combine, it's just to see what Cardale Jones does. He could throw like, the ball like ninety yards during this combine. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I, I think that will be a lot of fun to pay attention to. Uh, the second thing that I, I look at the combine, like I try to work out, I try to stay in shape. One goal that I've had, I want to bench two twenty five because that is what they do at the combine, right? Like that's always been kind of like a selfish little goal that I have, and I'm like really, really close. So if I can hit, like I'm at two twenty, so if I can get two twenty five. Before the combine, I can try to compare myself against NFL players and then feel really, really bad about myself <laughs> afterward. 
So that's kind of my goal. Like I'm really trying to to hit that before we get started with that. And I think I can get. It. I think I can get it. But we'll see. All right. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, joining us, uh, I think we have an 11 Warriors exclusive. We're going to do a man-on-the-street thing here with uh, our good friend Kevin Harish, our, our intern extraordinaire, and I don't use that term lightly. Um, you're, you're, you're currently banging at Moderitaville right now, right? Right in front of the shot? I am. I am. How's that going? You know, it's going great. It's actually a lot warmer this time than it's like ever been, so we're doing okay. good. On a scale of uh, like one to lit, like how crazy are things going right now? It's pretty calm, honestly. Okay. Uh, not not completely lit, but there's there's a lot of people. Um, uh, you can definitely feel it. How many how many uh, how many Moderitavilles are you a veteran of? Oh boy, um, probably eight to ten. Uh, okay. I do the big games every year. I've also done yeah. some really stupid ones. I did Marquette and Northwestern. And those were <laughs> Why? I don't know, man. It was it was just something you got to do. So what is, like, the largest number of tents that you've ever seen out in Moderitaville? Largest number? Maybe, like, maybe, like, 13. 13 to, yeah, 13 to, like, 15, give or take, yeah. How many are there right now, then? Um, Well, the tents are down now because they're about to let us in, but we only have three tents. Yeah, no, we have two tents. We only have two tents this time. Oh, man. Um, which and how say, many people are at those two tents? That's not really a Moderitaville so much as it's... Uh... No, it's not. It's not. It was just... <laughs> it was just. We just had to do it for trying to keep it alive because, you know, it was going to die. Um, okay. But it's a lot of fun. There were six people well, total at two tents, so... <laughs> so, did, but, I mean, did you get... I mean, first of all, okay, that's a lot of dedication on your part, considering, like, yeah. six yeah. people out in a tent... I think, yeah. like, at a certain point, you're probably questioning, like, why are we doing this? So I, I admire right. your tenacity. Um, yeah. Did you get any love from, like, the team or mod or anything like that? Um, not this time, because I really don't think they expected us to come, which is fair. <laughs> um, but yeah. usually usually we've gotten a lot of a lot of good stuff. Uh, like, a bunch of people have delivered food to us. Ben Jay, the former associate athletic director here and former athletic director at Hawaii, he would always order us food, even though he had nothing to do with the university anymore. Um, <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Jeff, Jeff Bowles has come out and played cornhole with us. He's really good. He was my partner. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, just uh, the alumni association is usually good. Um, and that's, yeah, pretty much they just come out and help. So. Well, I, I applaud you for keeping that tradition alive. And you said you have a, uh, a friend there that we can bring on the Dubcast, a second guest here. I do. I do. This is Rob. He's probably the one person here who's camped out more than me, so I'll throw him on here. Yeah, I would love to talk to Rob. Hey. Hey there, Rob. You are on the 11 Dubcast. Are you, do you feel very, like, are you nervous? Are you, like, freaked out by the fact that this will be heard by, like, literally millions of people worldwide? Yes, I'm freaking out. I'm losing my mind right now. <laughs> the most frightening experience of my life. Well, you okay, should be. Good. You should be, because it's, it's a pretty, we're, we're kind of a big deal. Um, Rob, right here. what is the worst weather you've ever uh, camped out uh, in Moderitaville? Um, the worst weather would have been two years ago, my freshman year. We were playing um, school up north, and um, I camped out one night for that game, and it was, like, I don't know, pushing maybe uh, below zero, and <laughs> I tried to sleep, slept for, like, maybe five minutes, woke up, and I was just 
freezing. Like I honestly didn't think I was going to survive the night. How many How um, many people were out there with you doing that? That night was. We had probably close to like ten to twelve tents that night. Oh my um, god. Yeah. So is that like a three Other dog night were, type thing where everybody's like huddled in the same you know sleeping bag or what? Um. Well, luckily that night they let us like go into the rotunda because it was <laughs> so cold out. It was like a danger okay. to our health. Um, that's very, yeah, that's very I was, nice. Of you. I was dumb, and like there are people who have like the you know fancy, nice, warm, zero degree sleeping bags. I just borrowed one from a friend, and uh, gotcha. it wasn't any good. So, yeah. so as a, a several uh, you know time veteran of Moderitaville, can you tell us like maybe the craziest story that you have from that? Something that's just like completely insane that you've experienced doing this. Um, the craziest thing for me, it's not. I guess that kind of happened because I camped out and was able to get the seat, but um, camped out for the Indiana game last year. And then, you know, just sitting there at halftime, Tom Crean's drinking a Diet Coke, and they just kind of left it there at halftime. And I was just like, you know what? <laughs> I I'm remember this. i picture of this, tweet this, you know, if I get so many retweets. That's I'm you? You drank it? Yeah. You're the dude? That's um, I Look, I, okay, I want to tell you me. something. We've interviewed guys like Beanie Wells, Maurice Claret. You are now my favorite Dubcast guest of all time. Wow, this is an honor. I, I want to frame a picture of that that you took. Like, that is the ultimate troll move on Tom Crean. He 100% deserves that. I, I applaud you, sir. That is excellent. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Does Tom Crean leave his the top of his Diet Coke, like, all slimy and nasty? <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, I don't stuff. know. I made sure that I went and, like, you know, clean it out a little bit and rinse it before I <laughs> went anywhere close to that. Or you put know, your mouth on that. You really don't want to get, like, mono so. Tom Crean. I feel like that might yeah, be Yeah, he kisses his thumb with my mouth, so. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, that's, that's excellent. That. I really appreciate that. Uh, another thing that I wanted to ask you, like, the Moderator Bill's been going on for a while now. I know that you guys have some interactions, like Kevin was telling us about some interactions you've had with, like, you know, the coaches and whatnot. Um, is there anybody on the team right now that you would really love to have, like, you know, kind of support, you know, from, like, to really build that up to, to help make Moderitaville what it, you know, once was, I guess? I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? So is there any player that you want to, like, have out there, you know, maybe, you know, pumping you guys and making sure that people know that it's still going on and whatnot? Is there anybody that, like, you would wish you could, you know, hang out with immediately? Um, I don't know. It seems like Daniel Giddens would be pretty intense about, like, and that kind of thing, and everybody going. So, yeah. <laughs> he would take that up a lot be, of room uh, in the tent, though, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, you got to get like pretty big tents for that. Maybe you know, scale it up one or two people. Yeah, that's excellent. All right, well, tell you what, thank you so much for talking. Uh, can you can you put Kevin back yeah, on? I've got to I got to ask him one more thing. Uh, yeah, there is. Awesome. Thanks, man. What's up, guys? All right, so Kevin, uh, thank you so much for for doing this kind of man on the street thing here. Uh, for Moderitaville. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you, are there any more plans? I mean, we've got two more big games coming up after this. We've got, you know, Iowa and the Michigan State again, obviously. But any any more, like, Moderitaville events or anything else going on? I'm betting we're going to camp out for Iowa next weekend, especially if we right. win tonight. Because um, that's, a, that's a Sunday game. And I bet we'll probably get even a couple couple more cents for that since there's no class the next day. So Excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm betting for that, yeah. Okay, well, we got to get the word out there then. Like, we want as many people at Moderitaville as humanly possible for the Iowa game. Right, I think that would right, because be- that, that makes it great. 
Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, man, like, thanks for doing this. It's, it's an 11 Warriors exclusive. I don't think anybody, any other news outlet in the world currently has this interview, so I'm really excited about that. Um, oh, no way. And yeah. have fun with the game tonight, man. Yeah, thank you. Okay, joining us tonight, we're really lucky to have Kurt Heinrichs, uh, 11 Warriors contributor for wrestling. Wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know what? We really need to do this more often because wrestling is such a, as I've said before, it is one of the true Midwestern art forms, and I love talking about it, even though I know next to nothing about it because I think it's really cool. And can you, for people who haven't been paying attention, can you give us like a 20-cent recap about what's been going on with the Ohio State wrestling team this season? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the you know, well, once again, thank you guys for having me on. Um, but, you know, so far this season, you know, the trajectory of the wrestling team has kind of been that of, you know, very similar to the football team. Uh, both teams won national titles, you know, the past season and then kind of underperformed, you know, I guess you could say, um, you know, in their repeat uh, repeat bid so far. Um, the wrestling team we knew um, was going to be struggling because they lost Logan Steber. However, they've got a defending national champ in Nathan Tomasello, who, by the way, um, is 18 and 0 this season and is on a 37 match winning streak. Um, that's that's okay. That sounds pretty good. I'm not an expert. That sounds yeah. Yeah. That's kind. That's kind of good. 37 in a row is is pretty good. Um, you know, and and he's in the lightest weight class, so a lot of times he starts starts the team off. And I mean, it, it you know it really helps when you've got a guy that goes out and sets the tone like that. Um, you know, they uh, then they're kind of bookended. Uh, Kyle Snyder, you know, world champion, big deal. You know, um, is. Uh, waived his Olympic redshirt season and is now competing in, in addition to uh, freestyle matches in Siberia to get him ready for the Olympic team trials. <laughs> he's also, you know, dusting off his, uh, his headgear and going out and wrestling Nebraska when the Buckeyes need him to. So, I mean, you know, it, it's a young team. Uh, the expectations are very high, but I think in a couple of weeks, you know, they're, they're going to uh, definitely make some noise at the big tens. So Kurt, um, obviously coming off a, a championship uh, year, you you sort of take the next year as a okay, you know, it's a grace period. If they we just want to see them compete, that's great. If they would do it again, that's awesome. But what are the realistic chances this team has of making another sort of Cinderella run uh, at it? I mean, I don't think last year was necessarily a Cinderella run, but I, I think this year would be more of a Cinderella run. And and I don't think anybody would say you're incorrect in saying that. Um, you know, wrestling is kind of a different animal than a lot of the other sports that, you know, maybe some of the, you know, the, the money sports, so, so to speak, you know, the basketball and the football, um, you know, and, and I guess uh, in in that instance, wrestling, you've got a lot more teams in play as opposed to, you know, football with the final four, the playoff teams, you know, you're, you're maybe you're, you don't want to see Alabama make it to the championship. So you're really hoping that somebody knocks them off in the semifinals. In wrestling, you know, you've got to win four, uh, five, four matches to win a national title. So, I mean, you know, you, these guys have to be on their toes the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. and, and actually what helped the Buckeyes last year was Iowa got, um, you know, Iowa was probably the strongest contender. Um, they kind of faltered early in, in the uh, NCAA tournament, and, and that really kind of opened the door for the Buckeyes. It is definitely possible that the Buckeyes could repeat, but they're going to need a lot of help. Um, Penn State is unbelievable this year. They are very young, and they are very tough. So, I mean, the Buckeyes can make a run, but it, 
they're going to need some help against Penn State. So can you describe for me, like, I'm a little confused, I guess, about um, both, I think, maybe wrestling recruiting in a sense, and then also maybe some of the rules with regards to um, how wrestlers interact with the amateurism of, like, the Olympics and stuff. Because wrestling being kind of an Olympic sport, I know there's some crossover and there's some, some weird things that go on there. Is there anything that, like... Any strange, like, eligibility things that happen with that or, you know, guys who kind of split time between things? How does that work? Uh, yeah, so, so in a, you know, one of the things that, you know, you don't see in football or you don't see in basketball is guys can take, in addition to a medical or academic redshirt year, guys can take an Olympic redshirt year, which is what Kyle Snyder had done, and there's some criteria for that. So you need to place in certain tournaments around the around the country throughout the uh, the past two years, I believe. And hmm. uh, if you do that, then you're eligible for a red shirt. Um, as far as some of the recruiting goes, um, I was actually very surprised to learn that uh, every five-year cycle, uh, wrestling programs at the most get 9.9 scholarships, and there are 10 weight classes. So, you know, you do the math. And uh, that's less than a full scholarship per starter. So, you know, the coaching staff has to get pretty creative as far as how they divide the scholarships up. Um, you know, obviously you want to recruit guys that are academically as solid as they are on the mat. And, you know, right. hopefully then they'll get some academic money as well. And then, you know, you won't be as, as uh you know, tight financially or with your scholarships that way. Mm-hmm. Um, as far bet as you they're, uh, I bet they're filling out those Pell grants. That's right. Hey, you know, <laughs> did everybody make sure they got their uh, their their paperwork filled out? Then good. All right, let's go. Uh, let's see. I mean, it, and it is a different animal because you know, in, in football, you've got guys that are uh, looking to leave early and and go to the NFL. Uh, right. Same with basketball. You know, wrestling. Chances are, you're not seeing too many guys. Uh, you know, giving up eligibility to go and and look at the next level because you know the the payday isn't as fantastic. So you know, guys get their get their shot when they can, and then uh, you know, just kind of move on. I I guess you could say. So the other thing that I was kind of curious about, I mean, so I think because of the loss of you know Steber, it's not as maybe as a high-profile team anymore, just because of what he was going for. Um, but what are some of the players that I think, or not players, but wrestlers that uh, Ohio State fans who maybe aren't as familiar with the wrestling team should know beyond maybe some of the really big headliner yeah. headliner uh, guys. I mean, I, I touched on Nathan Tomasello and Kyle Snyder right. earlier. Uh, Bo Jordan is another one, you know, and, and if. Tomasello and Snyder are the bookends. Bo Jordan is actually right in the middle of the weight classes. Um, so he kind of uh, breaks it up for you, I guess. Uh, Bo and his younger, younger – so Bo wrestles at 165 pounds. His younger brother, Micah, wrestles at 141 pounds. Um, the two of them have two losses combined this season. And, um, I mean, they're just mowing down the competition. Um, and the, the guys that – each of them lost to are outstanding wrestlers. In fact, Bo actually just lost uh, two weeks ago in the Wisconsin duel to his first cousin, Isaac, who wrestles for Wisconsin. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely a family affair. Uh, You know, it's a great wrestling family. Um, And uh, Isaac has beaten Bo. Now he beat him in last year's big 10 finals. And then this year in the duel meet. So, you know, it kind of sets the stage for the big 10s and NCAA tournaments coming up. Kurt, you know, the, 
Yeah, the program just lost a, a legend in, in Kevin Randleman, and I just wondered if you had heard or seen anything about, you know, sort of how, how the wrestling team has responded to, you know, obviously he, he went to Ohio State years back, but, you know, how has the program sort of responded to to uh, Kevin Randleman's untimely death? You know, Kevin Randleman is one of those guys that, um, you know, I never had the opportunity to meet him, but growing up in Northwest Ohio, like, like Randleman did, he's from Sandusky, um, you know, he was one of those guys that as a young wrestler, you always kind of look up to and think, you know, maybe one of these days, if maybe I hit a freak growth spurt and all of a sudden <laughs> grow muscles on top of muscles, um, maybe I could be like that. Um, I mean, just outstanding athleticism. But beyond that, you know, everybody that knows him and, you know, of course, these these kind of things come out when when somebody's no longer around. But, you know, it seemed like Randleman improved the lives of everybody that he touched. He, you know, he wanted to help people out. He wanted to, uh, you know, share his talents and, and his time and, and things like that. So, I mean, that's, that's one of those things where in, in it, a sport like wrestling, which ultimately it is an individual sport when you've got a guy going out, out of his way to help others. I mean, that, that's something that really speaks volumes. Um, and, you know, as far as how the, the current team is, is kind of trying to trying to continue that. I can't really say, but I do know that they did have a moment of silence prior to the uh, uh, the Wisconsin duel. Um, you know, a couple of days after his passing, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure that Tom Ryan and the staff have something in the works down the road. So, looking ahead, I guess to the uh, to the Big Tens and the NCAA's. Um, what do you see are maybe kind of the biggest. And, and maybe most difficult matchups for Ohio State, especially going to the Big Ten, which is obviously just a huge, huge, you know, wrestling conference. Um, you know, you mentioned Penn State. Obviously, Iowa is always up there. Um, what are the What are some of the big matchup problems maybe for Ohio State or the the, the games or the the matches to watch? Uh, definitely the matches to watch um, at 125 pounds. So, like football, you know, the wrestling team doesn't manage to wrestle everybody in the conference every year. Um, so Ohio state did not face Iowa this year. So Nathan Tomasello is going to meet, uh, Thomas Gilman of Iowa. I believe the two of them went one and one against each other last year, um, with Gilman winning the first one. And actually that was Tomasello's last loss on January 4th of 2014. So since then he hasn't lost. Um, and he actually beat Gilman in the big 10 finals. There's a great chance that the two of them will meet up in the big 10 finals and, you know, possibly late in the NCAA tournament. So that one's, that one's good to watch or, or one to watch as both of those guys are undefeated. Uh, let's see, you know, I mentioned it before, but uh, possibly a third match between Bo and Isaac Jordan at 165 pounds. Uh, let's see. I mean, so not only did Kyle Snyder give up his Olympic redshirt, Miles um, Martin was expected to redshirt this entire season at 174 pounds. And, you know, right about the time that Snyder's redshirt came off, uh, they announced that Miles Martin would be stepping into the lineup. Miles um, has really made a huge impact at 174 pounds. And that's one of those weight classes where, you know, Bo Nickel of Penn State is definitely the front runner but miles seems to give him fits when they wrestle they've wrestled a couple of times here and they've both been pretty close matches so i would i personally would like to see a third match and, and 
I would like to believe that um, if they do meet up, it's going to be late in the Big Ten tournament. Maybe that gives Miles a chance to win a, uh, an individual Big Ten title. So, so that's another one to keep an eye on. Yeah, that'd be really cool. All right, well, Kurt, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. Uh, you have a, one more question for us. You sent us an Ask Us Anything question, but dang it, Kurt, you're on now. Can you please ask it? I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of human interaction, okay? I, I want to know what you want to ask of us, so please, please go ahead and ask us your question. Well, before I ask, does this, does, is this going to be another thing that you guys add into, you know, in addition to sending you guys messages via Twitter or email, is, is one of the other ways to ask us anything to just be a <laughs> to appear on, on the, the show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is another, that's another viable way, but we don't just take anybody. All right. Well, yeah, that's true. Take that Finkus. Um, so, <laughs> so you guys, I've been a fan of Kanye West since, you know, since he came out, but yeah. I've got to say it's getting harder and harder to defend him. He's kind of becoming a crazy person. Um, yes. do you guys think we have seen the craziest thing that Kanye West will do or do you think there's something that he's got in his back pocket down the road that, you know? So have we hit peak Kanye? Yes, is, that, yes. is that what you're asking? I, look, <laughs> my, I don't know what Michael's opinions are on this. I think a very high level Kanye was definitely his George Bush doesn't care about black people. Uh, that was that was pretty high. I don't know if that was peak Kanye though, because here's the thing about Kanye West, right? Like. The last album, uh, so The Life of Pablo, I haven't really even been able to hear it because it's on Torrent, which I don't understand how to do because I'm a Luddite, and it's on Tidal, which I don't know actually exists. I kind of feel like it's, you know, like from the land of winning ghosts. I don't know. Um, Yeezus, I thought was decent. But my point is, is that I feel like his music is kind of like a nuclear reactor that's becoming more and more unstable. And at a certain point, it's going to explode and it's going to be awful. And when that happens, that's when I think you're going to see peak Kanye. That's when I think you're going to see like the most insane stuff that he ever does. So I think I think his best is yet to come. Like if you're talking about peak Kanye, like I think we're going to see many tweets about like pinky fingers and whatnot. Well, well into the future. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna let you finish, uh, <laughs> okay. Johnny. But <laughs> that was pretty good too. Um, you know, this is a guy who seems to me to be. Um, yeah, I think you'll see worse when people start to forget about who he is. I think that's yeah. when he'll – the next crazy bomb will explode. Um, I, I can't say that I'm a fan. I, I just um, – Because you're a bad person. Well, I don't no, know that I'm a bad person, but here's here's the thing. I, I liken you know, rap and hip-hop to me is like coffee. I know a lot of people like it. I understand that they like it, and I don't begrudge them liking it. I just don't get it. I, I've tried and I don't understand it. It, it. it does nothing for me. So the thing is, the thing is, though, Michael, unlike coffee, rap is good. So, <laughs> so I don't understand. So you're you're halfway in on my side in that you also don't understand the allure of coffee. But right, um, I hate it. But uh, you know, I mean, I guess I'm just not wired that way. So um, yeah. it, I don't. I'm not exposed to as much of of Kanye as as most people are because uh, I don't pay much attention to him. So, um, but to me, you know, he just seems like that kind of guy who, again, when, when he, when his fame starts to maybe fade a little bit, that's when the next uh, big crazy thing will happen. And I can't wait. So I appreciate that question, Kurt. That was, that was excellent. Um, 
I want to tell you something. I appreciate you coming on and, and talking with us about some wrestling. We got we got to make sure that we do this a little more often. We'll have to see how yeah. State does in the uh, B1Gs and the NCAA's, and, and maybe bring it back on and, and recap a little bit. And 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 we've got plenty of time. You know, the the Big Ten tournament is March fifth and sixth, and and Iowa's the host school. And then they nice. take a take a week off, and then the NCAA tournament is the seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth of March. Excellent. At Madison Square Garden, so you know. Oh man, that's going to be excellent. So I'm, I'm trying to get the uh, Eleven Warriors, you know, private jet to fly me out to Madison Square Garden, <laughs> but you know, it's so far yeah. it's booked. So yeah, well, you know, well, Ramsey has got to travel a lot, so <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Kurt. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Okay, it is time for Ask Us Anything, in which you guys can ask us anything by asking us anything uh, by sending us a question to dubcast at 11warriors.com or uh, hitting us on Twitter um, at 11dubcast. Yeah. So that would be good. Uh, this, this Ask Us Anything segment, by the way, is brought to you by uh, 11 Warriors Dry Goods Store. We've got all kinds of really awesome uh, shirts, stickers, hats, all kinds of good stuff. I wear my winter cap, like, constantly. I love that thing. It is so good. Like, I was, I was honestly a little surprised at how amazing it is. Like, it's super, super warm, so... Get it. You look very stylish in it, too. I, I got to wear mine uh, about two weeks ago when it was cold. It really? cold down here for a few days, yeah. It was nice. Yeah, was it good? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it kept my head nice and toasty warm. I liked it a lot. It was very stylish. I got a lot of – I think the ladies were staring at me. Um, <laughs> it was good, though. I, I enjoyed it, and, um, it, you know, I wear my uh, my snapback, you know, all the time. That's a, that's Ooh, a, okay. a favorite, a snapback hat. And also – uh, one of my favorites is the Seven Yards and a Cloud of Dust t-shirt because, you know, we've graduated past the, the Three Yards and a Cloud of Dust because, you know, we we, we run the ball much better now. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I recommend you guys go on there and, and get something for, uh, you know, St. Patrick's Day, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you um, get, get, the, get the Afro <laughs> Duck Legend tee, you know, you get... Yeah, and, and did, you, did you hear, by the way, Michael, this is something we did not discuss... Uh, in the previous segment, but did you see that there was a possibility of a second Afroduck? I did. It's, I'm excited. It's like the son of Afroduck. I feel like that duck needs needs some uh, some attention. I think that duck might be like you know Superboy or something like that. You know, like the second coming. You know, like when when Superman died fighting Doomsday. You know, yeah. and then all these other Supermen showed up. Like we got to find out which one is the real one and which one's the imposter. Son of Afroduck. Uh, any way you look at it. You know, that's another T-shirt coming to the dry goods store. Um, speaking of the dry goods store, actually, you know, our our, our own Jason Priestess is on the uh, the Buckeye Cruise. Yeah. And he wore his uh, Devil Wears Khakis T-shirt, and it was a big hit, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I really hope it comes back with, like, all the pictures of the dudes, because I know, I know tons of those guys, like, love rocking the Eleven Warriors gear, so that's cool. Um, okay, so let's get to these questions here. Okay. So we've got we've got a lot of good ones on Twitter. Um, including one from our, our guest tonight, so I'm actually excited about that. I mean, you know what? I'm going to wait till he gets on, and then we are going to – he can ask him – quit taking up space on the Internet, Kurt, all right? <laughs> you can ask that when we talk in person in a few minutes. Yeah. Just hold your – we'll, okay. we'll hold your question, Kurt. All right. So the first question here on Twitter is from Jessica. Uh, thoughts on the OU-OSU game next fall? That's a good question. What do you think about that? How, how do you think those two teams stack up? Because OU was looking pretty good towards the end of the year last year. Mm, I'm very excited about this game. It's uh, Obviously, I would be more excited about this game if like three-fourths of Ohio State's team didn't just go to the NFL. But, right. uh, and Oklahoma gets a lot of guys back. But I, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think 
it's going to be a tough one for Ohio State to win in a rebuilding year, but you know, especially being on the road. But I do think it'll be a good game, and I think Ohio State will be right in it. And I, I don't, you know, as an underdog, never count out Urban Meyer. Well, and I think that's, you know, I agree with that. I, I think you have a guy who's very, very good at motivating his team. I mean, it's hard to project next year for Oklahoma, um, but man, they demolished, you know, like. Uh, Oklahoma State in that like final game of the year, and then they lost the, the you know they they lost to Clemson in the the playoffs, and they didn't look great. Um, so I you know I think they're going to come out next year trying to prove something, and of course Ohio State has a ton to prove because they've lost you know like ninety nine percent of their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really think a lot of it will depend on how well the new offensive starters kind of gel around J T Barrett, who I mean now has you know an actual off season to prepare. And, and has the entire time to kind of build that rapport. Um, if you see a team come out, I think, that has immediate chemistry and they know, like, exactly what they're going to try to do, uh, I think you're going to see a team that's going to have, like, you know, a much better shot at, at taking out the Sooners than maybe a team that's still trying to, you know, struggle a little bit with their identity. And I, that also, I would add, probably goes back to the coaching staff. I mean, you really want to make sure that, like, we know who's in the booth. We know who, you know, is like uh, calling the shots and whatnot. There's no, you know, confusion on that either. So if they can come out and solidify, I think, really quickly with what they want to do for the rest of the season, like they have done at times, um, I think they'll look. I think they'll have a good shot. I think they'll look pretty good. Mm-hmm. It took but Oklahoma. Otherwise, it took Oklahoma a little bit of time to get their defense together last year. So I'm hoping that we can we can jump right. on them early. Now Ohio State, that said, you know bunch of new starters in the secondary and on the defensive line so that that defense uh has to come together quickly too because of that uh that offense is, is pretty uh powerful yeah no i yeah i, I agree with that that is going to be a really interesting matchup the uh, oklahoma offensive line versus the ohio state defensive line especially with some new guys that we will be seeing on defensive line all right so that was a great question uh next one's from uh, ray fox uh, he wants to know does torrence gibson win a starting wide receiver job yeah, we also actually that we got two questions about Torrance Gibson. Steve uh, Waniuski even uh, wanted to know about that as well. I, I, oh, nice. I don't think that Torrance Gibson wins a starting wide receiver job this particular upcoming season. I think uh, we will see a lot of Corey Smith. I think we'll see uh, some Dontre Wilson. I, I don't think Torrance is quite there yet, but I think that we will see him down the line at wide receiver. So here's my question about that, though, like how patient do you think he's going to be? Because there have been some rumblings and whatnot about him and maybe his impatience with the, you know, the team and the process and whatnot of transitioning to wide receiver. And do you think maybe that Braxton Miller's um, success, you know, at least as far as like, you know, attention and, and obvious like, you know, NFL prospects. So do you think that might help out uh, Torrance Gibson, maybe acclimate and maybe get more invested in that position? Here's what will help. Blocking. Yeah. Wide receivers yeah. that block get to play for Ohio State. That's right. just the bottom line. That's the way the offense works. And if you are willing to put in, do the dirty work, you'll get rewarded, you know, on the other end. But if you're not willing to do that, I mean, we saw a, a guy who, you know, there were five, six, seven more talented wide receivers in front of him, a guy by the name of Evan Spencer, and all he did was go out and start every game. Right. Yeah. No, and, and that's. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, it will it will be up to some of those intangibles, I think, to decide like what happens with that. I think that's an excellent. You know, point. you see guys they get impatient and they they want playing time, but 
there's this very simple path to playing time at Ohio State. Bust your tail with the blocking and the little things and play special teams. And if you do those things, you'll get rewarded for it. And if you're yeah. not willing to do those and you're a prima donna, then you're not going to get to play. Right. And and I, yeah. So, <laughs> unfortunately, like sometimes players, I think, get caught up a little bit in their own hype. Or maybe they just get a little bit anxious about, uh, you know, what they might be able to do. And they don't, you know, they, it takes them a while to really get into the mindset of, of what Urban Meyer expects from his uh his wide receivers. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the next year or so. Uh, we got another question here. This is from uh, in spring. I'm not going to, that's the name that we got on the Twitter there. <laughs> so at Clee spring, uh, what platforms can I use to listen to the podcast? Uh, well, there's a couple different platforms. First of all, mm-hmm. you can, you can always go on 11 warriors uh, for the uh, dubcast post and just listen to it right there via SoundCloud. Although that may be a, an option that we have to re-explore here uh, shortly. Um, and then of course it's always on iTunes, which you can download. Um, so the 11 dubcast, right? Look for the 11 dubcast on iTunes. You should be able to subscribe to it and then it'll just like pop into your, your phone, you know, whenever there's a new one. And, uh, you know, like, like Johnny said, the SoundCloud thing is good. You can go to our SoundCloud channel, listen to us there. You can download the show there. And I believe you can download it right from our 11 warriors posts, uh, dubcast. You can. So, so there's a lot of ways you can get it. Um, and, you know, I because of the fact that you know End Spring tweeted it to us, which kind of indicated maybe he isn't aware of how to listen. I, I also responded to him on Twitter, so he he has his answers. Oh, good. <laughs> well, see, that's there you go. That's that's synergy there. That's that's a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, help that you gave him. That's good. Um, okay, next question is from Sam Reese. He wants to know who is starting opposite of Conley next year. What do you think? Oh, that's a good question. There's going to be there's going to be a good battle, I think, um, there. And I kind of like, um, I mean, I I expect big things from Eric Glover Williams down the the line, but I think Marshawn Lattimore maybe gets it next year. Yeah, that's who I would go with. I think, uh, you know, again, it's it, cornerback is such a it, it's one of those positions where you really have to know what you're doing. It's not something where you can just out athlete somebody. Um, I think it's really a finesse position and you kind of want a guy that uh, has been in the program a little bit, or at least understands what they, you know, what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I'm with you on that. I think that a lot of more probably is the inside track on that. And Damon Webb um, could, could uh, throw his hat in the ring, but I think they, they like what he brought to the nickel and also yeah. Uh, here's my dark horse though, is Denzel Ward. He's my dark horse. Yeah, you know what? He, a lot of people have been saying stuff about Denzel Ward and just the athleticism and whatnot. And I think to an extent that can help you out. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be really interesting, interesting to see how that kind of works itself out. I, I still like Lattimore just because uh, you've got the size, you've got, you know, kind of guy who's been there for at least a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think sometimes what coaches do is when they see these types of players, they go for the pedigree mm-hmm. over the maybe like, you know, potential, yeah. if that makes sense. And I think maybe Lattimore has an edge because of that. Um, but I also think that spring ball and uh, fall camp is going to be a huge factor into that because, you know, at a lot of seasons, like you've got set positions, right? You know, who's going to play what, but I believe that one is like super, super wide open. Mm-hmm. And you really just got to look at guys who have, you know, shown some at least some flashes, and that's why I think Lattimore maybe has the 
you know, the best shot at there. Yeah, I think, I um, think he's got it. Oh, by the way, before uh, we get too far away from it, Ray and Steve, to finish my thought, I, I also expect um, if they stay healthy that Noah Brown and Johnny Dixon will, will be in the lineup a lot at what Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, Dixon, yeah, Dixon especially, I think, um, will definitely make some noise there. So uh, I believe – so that's all on Twitter, I think. We've got one more on email Woo! Okay, from, from our good friend Alvin Lim. Alvin wants to know, which celebrity crush couple is better and why? Ezekiel Elliott and Lolo Jones or Cardale Jones and Ronda Rousey? Oh, it's, I don't even think it's close. I think it's Cardale and Ronda Rousey. Yeah, yeah, come on. I think that's <laughs> – uh, just because Car- just because Cardale is part of it is already going to make it way more interesting. Right. right. But I also like it. Like Lolo Jones is obviously an incredible athlete, right? right. You know, Olympian and all that stuff. But Ronda Rousey punches people in the face for a living. Like, granted, she got you know herself like kicked in the face and did not you know win. You know, her aura of invincibility is not quite there anymore. But mm-hmm. Man, I, I just love the idea of Ronda Rousey hanging out with uh, Cardell Jones. I think that's pretty hilarious. I think Cardale likes the idea of that, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> but he really does. Yeah, you're right. You know, her her era her era of invincibility being gone. I remember when, when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson, and everybody thought Mike Tyson couldn't be beaten, and it was, like, just such a shocking thing. And he never really – I mean, he won some fights after that, but Tyson never really was the same. So it would be interesting to see how uh, Ronda Rousey uh, bounces back from her loss. Well, here's the thing about Ronda Rousey, and, and I'm not going to try to get super MMA analytical because a I don't know a ton about MMA, and b you know I'm not uh, you know I'm not really great at the prediction game, but I do think that you know she's going to try to schedule some probably high profile matches to kind of get back into it because you know you're making a lot of money, you want to stay on top, you want to prove that you can do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do think that Holly Holm exposed a lot of her inherent weaknesses, which was like, just fight her straight up and just punch her in the face. And that's like, people have been saying that about Ronda Rousey for a lot of fights, Mm -hmm. like just fight her straight up, just punch her. And Holly Holm did that and then kicked her in the face and used her reach. And really like a lot of people talk about that fight, like, wow, I can't believe it was so crazy and whatever. But like, that wasn't even really a close fight. Like Holly Holm, like did like she dismantled Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I think it's just it's one of those things where you see a person maybe fight for like a total of like two and a half minutes, and you're like, yeah, this guy's amazing. I can't believe like she's doing all this. Like it's crazy. And then when somebody actually fights them straight up, takes them you know to the mat, mm-hmm. you know, not not literally, but takes them to the mat like you know by not being intimidated. Um, it kind of changes the dynamic. Yeah, and that's exactly how the Tyson Douglas thing went down. Was that right? The, exactly. Tyson was Douglas knocking guys. No yeah, Ty, what, Tyson was knocking guys out in thirty seconds, and he wasn't right. getting into a, a long, drawn out fight with somebody that wasn't afraid of him. And Douglas wasn't afraid of him. And it, in fact, if if Douglas didn't get knocked down in one of the early rounds, he would have won every single round. I mean, he just was that right. good that night. He wasn't he wasn't backing down. He wasn't afraid. He was coming after him, and he was being smart and trying to stay away from that. Uh, you know, that vicious hook. And uh, it, it was it was a heck of a fight that he put together. And it's unfortunate that he ballooned up and didn't do anything after he won the title. But, <laughs> but hey, Buster yeah. Douglas from Columbus, Ohio, will always have that, uh, that he took away uh, the title from Tyson. So, Yeah, one of my favorite stories, actually, I talked to Tim May once, and he was at that fight. Um, and he said it was, like, one of the greatest nights of entire his entire life. Like, he thought it was just, like, insane. Yeah. Because, you know, it was like, I think it was in Tokyo, right? Uh-huh, yeah. 
Yeah, so he was just saying, like, it was the most insane. And he was talking about how the crowd was really quiet, and he didn't really understand it, but he was, like, losing his mind as it was happening. And so I thought, I, I think that's a really, yeah, it's a good parallel, I think. Um, but we'll definitely see how uh, Ronda Rousey rebounds, and hopefully, you know, Cardell Jones will be there to, to help pick uh, up the pieces. Yeah. yeah, pick up the pieces. <laughs> so we'll see. All right, so that's uh, the uh, Ask Us Anything segment this week. Please continue sending us your questions either through Twitter or through email. All right, thanks to Kurt Heinrichs and, of course, Kevin Harrish and his friend Rob, who stole Tom Crean's Coke. Diet Coke. My favorite yeah. <laughs> person in the world right now uh, for joining us on the Dubcast tonight. Um, so I've got a final question for you, Michael. Or are you prepared? Are you ready? I am prepared. All right, so I've had this discussion with some of my friends. Uh, this is a discussion that we had way back in college, many, many moons ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about MMA, and it got me thinking – um, all right, so I've got a scenario for you, okay? Okay. You have, you have to fight a vicious animal in a, an MMA ring, okay? Mm-hmm. And you have one hour to prepare, and you can go off into the woods, and you can use whatever you find in the woods as a weapon. What do you believe is the most vicious animal that you could uh, fight and subdue uh, under those conditions? Oh, man. Probably not a very big animal. Um, <laughs> I had a friend, by the way, who said that they could take out a giraffe, and I'm like, okay, that's an angry giraffe, there you go, buddy. Right to, to reach for the stars. I think an a- giraffe would kick him in the head and kill yeah, him. Yeah, I think an angry giraffe would be a lot to handle. Um, yeah, I don't think that I could maybe take anything bigger than a badger at my current uh, in my current shape. So, now, uh, another thing I want to point out is that this animal wants to attack you. Wants this to is attack not me, like right. an animal that's just chilling there. Right. Like, it's coming after right. you. Like, it's, it's like, let's go. So, like, something like, uh, like I guess, staying in the Big Ten, like, badger or wolverine-sized animal is something that I could probably subdue with a stick, but... Uh, okay. But probably not an actual wolverine. I mean, actual wolverines are, like, terrifying. Probably not, like, a like anything dog size or bigger, though, I don't think. I, I think I would yeah. I would probably be mincemeat pretty quickly. Hmm. See, I was thinking about this too, right? And some of my friends were like, "Oh, I could take out a wolf." I'm like, "No, you couldn't. Like, 200 pounds of wolf is gonna like tear your head off. Like, you die." Yeah. I like. I think people when people ask this question, and I'm glad you took this very reasonably because a lot of people when you ask this question tend to way overestimate their offensive capability. Oh yeah. Like I, which which blows my mind. I think I could take out like a bobcat. I bet I could kill a bobcat. Like I could beat up a bobcat. If you get the but, first swing in, you might be able to beat a bobcat. I think I could. I could think you'd take out a bobcat. I think I could deal with that. Bobcats aren't really that big. They're quick though, man. They're quick. Yeah, yeah, but it's coming after me, so it's probably gonna like latch onto me somehow, and then I can like I can punch it. I yeah, think. I can. So take out. while you're bleeding out, you can somehow right. kill it. Yeah, right. While its claws are after my jugular, I'll punch it a couple times, and I'll be good. Yeah. So something like a bobcat. I had a dream once where I punched out a koala. Um, I think maybe a koala I could take out. Uh, but anything bigger than that, I'm really screwed. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a fighter, Michael. I'm really not. So <laughs> I'll leave that to the the Ronda Rouseys and the Holly Holmes of the world. Um, that's not for Johnny Ginter. So I just I was just curious, just wondering what your input was on that. Um, thanks again to our guests. Thanks again to you for listening, and thanks again for all the guys who and gals who wrote in for ask us anything. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully we'll we'll get to sit back and watch this incredible Ohio State victory over Michigan State tonight. And then next week we get to talk to you all about it. So that'll be great. Yeah. Uh, but until then, I'm Johnny Ginner. I'm Michael Citro. Peace.